the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our church is increasingly being targeted, and then we talk to Jeff Grinnell about his new book, Next Gen Faith, 12 Spiritual Practices for Youth. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Thursday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today on what is a nicer Thursday afternoon. We started the week with snow. Now we're turning nice. So how are you today? How are you this Thursday afternoon? I'm grand. It's okay. Thursday, Taco Thursday. Taco Tuesday. Usually. Taco Tuesday. Oh, your family we does do it on Thursday. Yeah. So uh, thank you for telling me what my family does. We I thought do you Thursday. meant like culturally Taco um, Thursday. And we have a, a big event later tonight. My oldest son and I are headed down to the city after we finish the, the show city. to um, a gala for Generation Distinct. Hannah Granowski has been on the show before. She was part of the board here for a while. Her ministry is called Gen D or Generation Distinct. We're headed down to um, take my son to his first gala. So you and your son are going to a gala. Yeah, not fun. Was that because you wanted to take your son or because your husband did not want to go to a gala? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hannah's husband, Aaron, is one of my son's mentors. Okay. And so this is a way for them to sort of connect and him to hear about the ministry. And he Wonderful. definitely would rather be playing video games at home, but he's going go to go to a gala a with on. me. Gotta put yep, a exactly. On. All right. Well, that will be fun. We look forward to hearing more about that. We're glad that you're with us today. And a, a reminder. There's a big, some big stuff going on on Saturday through one of our favorite ministries called Outreach. You and I are going to be the MCs. Woo-hoo! I like to say that we're going to be the DJs <laughs> of a 5K that uh, Outreach is doing in Wheaton on Saturday morning. And then on Saturday night, they are hosting a big concert at Willow Creek in South Barrington. Carrie Job who we've learned, Carrie Job doesn't normally do these types of yeah, things, but she really was... believed in what, mm-hmm. or believes in what Outreach is doing. And so, just check out our social media, and you can find out how to get tickets. More importantly, we are giving away two front row Woo-hoo! tickets to the Carrie Job concert. So, hop over on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk, and check that out. Alright, Aubrey. Uh, there was an article a little ways back uh, at Christian Post that says this, that there have been over 400 hostile acts against U.S. churches since 2018, and at least 57 were tied to abortion in just 2022 Whoa. alone. Now, you and I have talked often, The new uh, I'll give some more background, the new report from the Family Research Council analyzed publicly available data between January of 2018 and September of 2022 uh, to document the acts of hostility targeted at 397 individual churches across 45 states. These acts include vandalism, arson, gun-related incidents, and bomb threats. So the question out there is, uh, are churches being targeted more often? Now, Mm. you and I have kind of laid our our stake in the ground about the word persecution. Yes. We want to save the word persecution for places in the 1040 window, places where... 
Christians are literally being killed for their faith. Right. Being ripped apart from their families for their faith, being murdered right. for their faith. Yeah. So, so we want to separate this from, uh, from persecution. While acknowledging, I was surprised by this. Yeah, this this is surprising that this many this many churches across the country um, are being attacked. Yeah. It seems like, and the kind of the question is why, and is this sort of like a systemic thing against churches that's happening? Therein lies the question, because if it's a uh, systemic thing, as you say, then we should expect more of this. Like you and I are pastors, That's right? That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we as pastors be expect maybe not vandalism of your building, right? But ostracization, uh, kind of, you know, churches tend to be welcomed. Will that become less? I That's think they question. highlighted the reason culturally. I think the tipping point is abortion. Do you? I do. And is I that think what some of the research it, shows here? Well, just in 2022, they said they 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 can they can document 57 that were tied to the abortion debate. You know, places uh, where where it was said we did this right. Like, what's the reason or anti-abortion or whatever else it might be? Uh, I think there's a lot of things culturally, politics. Um, "Quote unquote," the big C churches yeah. uh, tied to conservative Republicans, this and that, that have put us against or at odds with some people in culture. But I think uh, so. Let me add a second one. I think when it comes to abortion, that has tipped. Uh, that has been a line in the sand for a lot of people. Certainly. No longer look at the church as a benevolent place. Yeah, yeah. I also think um, issues of sexuality I was just and, thinking that, and primarily yeah. the debates around transgenderism right now that seem to be not just heated but violent. Uh, I think that there's a couple cultural uh, issues that most churches have said we're on this side of this issue. We want to be loving. We want to be, but. Here's what we believe where culture in general is saying that's too far. We mm. can't be with you. And therefore, I think that churches, again, removing the word persecution. Yep. Is it fair to say that churches now in our even in our own culture may increasingly be seen as enemy rather than even if I don't believe what you're saying, kind of benevolent positive thing in our neighborhood yeah i think it's a fair question i hope not like there's this part of me that's still holding out hope that the church will be enough of a benefit and blessing to the community that they're in that the community won't turn against them like Mm -hmm. ideally there's enough relational equity and they're pouring into local schools and local businesses and neighbors and I don't know, providing some type of flourishing and some type of mutual goodness that this doesn't happen. But I, you know, it's hard not to read these statistics and wondered if that's kind of a Pollyannish mm-hmm. wish. Um, even something that this article that you're referencing here at the Christian Post talks about is even in the past, there was some at least type of societal reference for the church as like a house of worship or a sacred space, or let's say it's an old school church with stained yeah, glass windows. Yeah. It's beautiful. And so you, even if you're not going to step foot there and worship and submit yourself to whatever their authority is, you're at least going to go, Hey, that's a, that's a house of faith. That's a sacred space. That's off limits. That's off limits. Yeah. Consciously or subconsciously, you're going to think that, but it seems like even that perhaps the tide is changing where people feel comfortable lashing out against even a church 
space, a church building. I think so. Because, you know, even a generation ago, it was, I don't believe anything that you're saying, but I'd like to get married in your church. Or right. I'd like to, That's so that true. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. And mm. uh, as I read down this article, they are putting a lot of this on abortion, the abortion debate and the debate around. But I w- can I push back on that? Because I'm not saying that's not true. I definitely think that's part of it. But mm-hmm. they're saying 57 of the 420 acts. Well, that's 420, not even. No, no, you're missing it. 420 was over a couple years. OK. 57 was just last year. OK. So they're saying okay. the increase that came uh, seems to be around abortion. But I could think let's also. Let's have some perspective here. 57 is not an enormous number. Not compared to 420. But it's growing. Yeah. It's a growing number. Yeah. Uh, I think the bigger thing, and I'm not going to give you a lot of time, but I'm going to ask you to answer this, is how do we as churches, let's take the vandalism out of this. If we're saying that the cultural tide is shifting against the church, Mm -hmm. how do we respond? Yeah. Is it war? Oh. Is it not literal war? I understand. I understand. What is it? So my... My instinct is twofold. One, it should not surprise us. Jesus told us this would happen. Research has told us this would happen. Mm -hmm. I don't ever think the reaction of we don't meet violence with violence. And I even mean that in our posture, in our attitude, in our words. We don't meet this type of violence with like, okay, we're at war against the culture. Mm -hmm. I think this goes back to what I talked about before. Knowing persecution. We don't like to use that word. Knowing attacks and anti-Christian culture is coming. How can we build better, stronger bridges to our community that are mutually honoring, that share the love of Jesus, that provide to the community? I'm not saying that insulates us from harm, but I'm saying, can we ask the question and do a better job? So we're not this sort of like thing that exists in a community, but actually isn't impacting the community for good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting uh, just to watch. I think some people overblow this stuff. Hence yeah. the conversation we had last earlier this week or last week about the person who told me we're at war. Right. But I also think a lot of us underplay this stuff. Everybody Fair. loves the church. <laughs> Everybody. There's no problems. Uh, yeah. I, I think that the answer is probably in the middle there. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Aubrey, you and I are both former youth pastors. We talk about that often <laughs> so on the show. To think about. And now yes. we have children uh, of our own who are <laughs> in, uh, youth in youth ministry in that age. And with that in mind, we are thrilled to be joined by the author of a new book called Next Gen Faith, 12 Pro- uh, Spiritual Practices for Youth. His name is Jeff. Grinnell. Jeff, how are you doing today, man? Fantastic. Excited to be on uh, with you guys today and all your listeners in Chicago land on this Thursday. So excited for this. Yeah, we're so glad to have you on. Let's start big picture. Uh, you do a lot of work with the next gen, uh, with that next generation, and particularly in reaching Gen Z. Uh, so I guess I would love to know why. Why are you passionate about kind of that age demographic? Yeah, I think you you both will understand, uh, having come uh, through years of youth ministry. Um, I, I'm 60. I think I play I play 30. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but you know how that is. Uh, I'm a legend in my own mind. Right? <laughs> step on the court. Um, but anyway, uh, this is a lifelong calling for me, guys. It's something that uh, this is 38 years wow. in youth ministry. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And this stage of my life, I am at a university in uh, Minneapolis and I teach 
in uh, we also have what is called the Institute for Next Gen. So it's uh, there's a whole youth major, you know, a next gen major, and uh, that would include children, um, uh, teenagers, and then uh, you know young adult ministries. So that's kind of in the later stages now of my life. That's probably I'm probably more of a coach and a teacher Mm -hmm. and in education. And you know, obviously I still do uh, camps and retreats and uh, youth pastor conferences and all that. But really, what I would say it gets down to um, a a life calling. I know many Mm. youth ministry have seen it as a you know stepping stone to executive work or lead mm-hmm. taking a demotion and becoming a lead pastor. <laughs> yes. I love it. I you love know, it. Kind of things. Yeah. But uh, I know many you know m- m- many have kind of used it as a step. But there are there are others of us around the country who this is our vocation. Yeah. And we don't age out of of uh, youth ministry. I, I don't. I, I really don't believe that. I feel like my best days are happening right now mm. as a grandfather in youth ministry. Oh, I you know? love that. Um, yeah, I have three kids that are all, you know, 34, 31, 29, wow. and six grandkids. Oh, oh that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, when, I, when I go back to youth groups that I, you know, uh, that I, I'll visit a youth group and there's a youth pastor there that was in my youth group. <laughs> oh, wow. They're, they're the, the son or daughter of somebody who was in my youth group. So That's I have great grandchildren in youth ministry too. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, Jeff, your last book, Gen Sex YZ, dealt with uh, loveless, godless sexuality. You have a new book that's out today called Next Gen Faith. What made you decide to write this one? Yeah, well, some of the stats that we shared in the last book um, were alarming. And I know you've probably seen some of the research from Barna and Pew, um, PEW, Feed. Um, you know, there's so much research out on the lack of a biblical worldview in Gen Z. Mm. And we all saw that come out about 2018, 2019. Those studies came out where teenagers had a and that would have been a Gen Z, which now goes up to college, about 23, yep. 24, yeah. depending on the sociological model, right? Then the millennials are their older brothers and sisters who are now up to 36, 38. Wow. So when you really look at Gen Z, they're teenagers and, and college kids today. Hmm. And they have a 4% biblical worldview. Hmm. Now, just to put that into perspective, guys, that's down from their grandparents who had a 65% biblical worldview hmm. down to now 4% in four generations. Wow. Yeah. And here's one more uh, quick stat on that. The grandparents, the silent generation, the grandparents, 84% of them in America would call themselves Christian. Okay. Wow. Christian. Okay. 84%. Today, only 31% of Gen Z will. Mm. And that doesn't mean they're a disciple or they believe they would just call themselves right. Christian. Yeah. Right? Wow. So it's just remarkable loss of a faith handoff from one generation to the next. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. so what, what moved me with the whole sexuality argument and the redefinition of gender, marriage and sex 
what moved me was what are we passing off to, to AlphaGen? Yeah. Who are now the elementary kid, you know, up to about elementary, sixth grade, somewhere in there, 11 or 12, it depends on the model again. Yeah. But what are we handing off to them? And those, stat, those stats aren't out yet. You know, uh, I'm, we're still waiting for that. But have we gotten worse than 4%? Has it remained the same? Has it gone, you know, up to 8 or 10? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. There's a haunting line that you write. Uh, I'm reading here. It says, we are not just raising a fatherless generation anymore. We're raising a fatherless, motherless, and siblingless generation. Can you yeah. unpack that and the effects of that? Yeah, in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, no, they got to go get the book to get the full exactly, explanation. Exactly. But. Yes, exactly. No, you're right. I- I'll tell you, um, people ask me all the time, what is the number one problem in America? People want that, right? They right. want the top 10 list and whatever. And uh, my immediate answer is the family. Hmm. It's not government. It's not education. It's not a progressive, you know, uh, education system at the university level. It's not business. It's not social media. Social media is not the problem. Social Mm. media revealed the problem, Mm. right? So to me, the number one problem in America is the family because the family in the last, let's just say a decade, um, the family has raised the children who are now in government, in business, in education, running social media. So if we're going to if we're going to complain about the condition of those sectors of society, we have to go back and look at where those leaders came from. Yeah. <laughs> and 100% of them came from a family. Hmm. So to me, if we don't recognize the reality of the disintegrated, right? I use that that term in the book. The disintegrated family in America, disintegrate, right? Disintegrity. Uh, the the foundation. That's what that the, yeah. the integrity of a foundation of a building there in Chicago <laughs> is critical to its longevity, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's no different in society. Mm. It was Ronald Reagan who said, "If we if we want to change America, it begins at the dinner table." Mm. Mm. So I really believe that we have to stop blaming everyone and everything else and look in the mirror as as a family. Jeff, where can our listeners find and follow you? Where can they get a copy of your brand new book, Next Gen Faith, 12 Spiritual Practices for Youth? Yeah. So uh, there are multiple places that you can go. The easiest would be to just go to our socials and there's a link up. And uh, they can, the, the socials are Jeff Grinnell, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, that's the easiest place to go. The, our website, uh, you know, is uh, it's all on the link tree. So if they go to the socials, um, they can hit the link tree and choose, you know, where they want to get the book from. They can get it on Amazon. That obviously that helps me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and and the numbers. And so we, I mean, you know, we want to drive people to Amazon, but I I do know some people like the three dollars cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Socials are going to get it just a, a couple bucks cheaper. That's awesome. Again, the book is called Next Gen Faith: Twelve Spiritual Practices for Youth. Uh, the author is Jeff Grinnell. Jeff, uh, thanks so much for spending time with us, man. Really important book. We're excited for you. Thanks for being with us. Yes, thanks for the opportunity.
Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. We're also thrilled because we are joined by Art Alley. He's the founder and president of Timothy Plan. We're going to talk with him about biblical investing. Art, thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, it is my pleasure, guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Give us an idea of what the Timothy Plan is. What are you all about? What do you do? Well, as soon as I can figure that out, we'll talk. (laughs) We'll have you back in a couple weeks, Um, I guess. We we are a mutual fund family that uh, I got convicted uh, to create a number of years ago. Uh, that uh, is is primarily for people that that have basic biblical moral values. You don't have to be a Christian to invest in in Timothy, but if you have biblical values and start to understand, and people are increasingly understanding what corporate America is doing in funding an unholy agenda. Mm. Why in the world would you want to be in a fund that that owns stock in those companies? I mean, it's like betting against yourself. Mm. So we drew a line in the sand and you said, you know what? We're going to create a mutual fund family. And we have 12 funds and and seven exchange traded funds uh, because you need to cover all asset classes if you're going to invest prudently. But we refuse to own shares or allow our money management firms to invest in shares of any company that fails biblical moral principles, hmm. whether things like, you know, there are, there are corporations funding abortion, mm-hmm. you know, paying for shipping, uh, uh, young ladies across the country in order to get an abortion if they can't get it in there. Uh, there's a lot of abortion uh, screens, multiple screens. If they are funding abortion, we will not own that. We don't care how good they look. Mm-hmm. Uh, or pornography, and that is a scourge on America. And all these are interconnected. Yeah. Or non-traditional married lifestyle, you know, the LGBTQ agenda that's being pushed down people's throats today. <laughs> if a company's promoting that, uh, you know, if it's a, a fairness, we, we have no problem. But mm-hmm. if they're promoting an agenda, we won't own them or anti family entertainment. And it goes on and on. Yeah. Addictive things like alcohol, tobacco, casino, gas. We will not own shares of companies that are involved in that. And when we launched this, my friends on Wall Street said, Allie, you're nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I said, what do you mean I'm nuts? They said, you cannot create an investment program, a mutual fund family, that screens out investing in the largest, most profitable companies in the industry and expect to get good investment returns. Hmm. Well, my response to them then is the same as my response today. If you are a Bible believing Christian, obedience trumps performance every single time. Mm. And so that's what uh, uh, we have uh, lived by. And you know what? That was 29 years mm. ago. And we're still here. And there people, you go. Well, people 29 years ago weren't thinking like this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anybody who's, whose head isn't in the sand today really are coming to understand we are in a war for the soul of America. And um, 
you know, why would why would I want to invest money in companies that are on, on the other side of my basic moral values? Mm. Uh, so that's what we bring to the table. And you know what? We've proven over 28, yeah. 29 years, you don't have to own those companies. Mm. Uh, we get very competitive returns because we got great money managers. Uh, but even if we didn't, we would still do this because yeah. obedience trumps performance every time. Oh, that's exciting. It's called the Timothy Plan. You could go check it out. Uh, Art, recently you wrote about inflation and inaction, how they are unbiblical, both of them. Can you unpack that? Because a lot of people out there are probably really confused. People like myself, not not big money people, don't understand even inflation and what's going on. So, can you unpack kind of your thoughts on inflation and inaction? Sure. Well, you know, they, they are knowing about inflation now. Exactly. Yeah. Right, yes. right. For goodness sakes, man, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And that is the invisible tax on people, because the more things cost, the less money you have to go around. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, it, it is it is shrinking people's ability to, you know, they have to make hard decisions, you know, do I put food on the table or pay my rent or pay my utilities or... You know, it is it is a it's not meant to be that way. And inflation is a really a government created problem. Uh, if we had some responsible people running this country, they could solve this problem in a long weekend. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, you know, we're all paying that price uh, and it is unbiblical and inaction is unbiblical. You know, God put us here for a reason. He expects us while we are here. And by the way, I do have an eternal perspective mm-hmm. for only passing through this this life. Mm. Uh, but while we're here, he expects us to occupy. And that's where all of this stuff that has crumbled in our basic undergirding of our foundational value system uh, really, to a degree, folks, is our fault. Mm. Uh, the church, I believe it lies at the doorstep of the church because the church used to be the guardian of the culture, you know, and establish uh, basic moral foundational values. Today, in way too many cases, the church is blended with the world instead of standing up and saying, you know what, uh, this is not right. It is not biblical. We serve the creator of the of everything. And here's what his word says. So they're not doing that. Yeah. And so people are not being equipped to engage in this war for the soul of America. We're just going along with it because mm. you sit and get entertained on Sunday morning and and feel good about doing bad. Uh, there's something wrong with that. I'm over at your website, and uh, one of the things I appreciate is you have this biblical stewardship educational ministry where you're really trying to educate, empower people to dedicate their money, their family, their heart to God's kingdom. Can you share any of those principles for biblical stewardship with Uh, our audience? uh, uh, Thank you for bringing that up. That is my, uh, I I did that. (laughs) Well well done, sir. (laughs) For three months, because, you know, uh, me and God uh, on the way back and forth to the office had conversations. You know, I said, what's wrong with people? Why don't they understand how important what we're doing, what you called me to do is? And... uh, I, I got, you know, he doesn't talk to me in an auto. <laughs> Crystal clear, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's when it hit me like a ton of bricks. And when you think about it, 
uh, I'm sorry, I'm going a little long, but when you think about it, uh, where does everybody, whether you're a, a Christian believer or a non-believer or anybody, get all of their training on how to handle money mm. from the world or from the church mm. and the Bible? And the answer, unfortunately, is from the world. Yeah. And that's always kind of the opposite of, of what God has instructed us in his book, the second greatest gift we've ever given next to Christ. Mm. Uh, so I, I actually hibernated and put together a biblical stewardship study guide. It is nine hours long. Wow. It is on our website. We give it to anybody who wants to take it. We don't charge for it. It is our uh, gift uh, to people out there that are concerned uh, about what's going on because there's nothing more central to anybody's life than money. Hmm. You're working for it. You're spending it. You're yep. trying to get out of debt with it. You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to provide for your kids and your family and then retirement and all the rest. But if we do it the way the world teaches us to do it, we end up in a mess. Hmm. And if we do it God's way, it all, it only works. God's way only works Every time. Mm -hmm. oh, that's so good. Uh, so Art Alley is the founder and president. It's a resource for people, and it's for free. They, awesome. they don't have to dig it out of Scripture. I've done it for them. And it's free. And it's free. We'll just <laughs> keep really saying like. that. <laughs> Art Alley is the founder and president of Timothy Plan. You can find this course we've been talking about along with much more at timothyplan.com. Art, thanks so much for Thank being you, here Art. with us today. We really appreciate your wisdom. Guys, appreciate you. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.